0: So when we do good deeds, um, we do things that are a benefit to society and this helps um, us to create merit. You can also do this through the development of samadhi, through our practice of meditation. And so there's this generosity, this morality, the practice of Dhamma. and These all work to develop our hearts, to raise them to a higher level. Um, because. For us now, having been born as a human, this isn't the first time that this has happened. We've been born in this state many, many times. It's just that most of those times we haven't met with the Buddha's dispensation. We haven't had this opportunity to walk this path, the practice that frees us from suffering. So I've had the merit uh, now to meet with this path, and we rely upon the goodness of the Buddha all of the bharamis that he developed through many lifetimes, that he went through this effort, went through a lot of difficulties, um, and saw the suffering of other beings which drove him uh, to build up his baramitas until they reached a state of perfection. And if he had wished to attain to arahantship, it would have been very easy, but through the great compassion that he had, he made this determination of a bodhisattva and uh, to develop his bharami until they were full. that he didn't wish to just gain happiness by himself. Uh, But when he was awakened, he took his knowledge that he gained and taught that Dhamma and laid down this dispensation which has reached to this very day. And so, the laity also have the kindness to support the Buddhist asana, to support the monastics. And this too has happened from the Buddha's time until this present day, to build up goodness um, through uh, supporting this religion. So, the development of a heart is what helps to clean our minds, to make them pure. Because if the mind just has greed, hatred, and delusion in it, it will always be involved with uh, ignorance, with craving and clinging. And these are the things that cover over the mind, that take control of our minds. And this has happened for many lives now. But our original mind is in a state of emptiness. It's just that these defilements come and overpower the mind. So we don't see that emptiness there. So the Buddha taught us to be generous, to take on the precepts, to listen to teachings of truth, to build up good things, skillful things. He taught us to do this. That which isn't skillful in our minds, we need to put an effort to abandon those things, and then put in the effort to look after our hearts. So when we do this practice of meditation, a lot of what that involves is development of sati, of mindfulness. And the sati can also be translated as recollection. And then there's sampajanya, this all around knowing. So where, whatever posture our bodies are in, whether we're speaking, whether we're thinking, we have mindfulness there. And mindfulness works to obstruct or protect the mind from the various mental impressions all the forms, the the sights, the sounds, the tastes, the tactile sensations, the things that normally flood into our hearts, that push it into these feelings of liking or disliking. But we have mindfulness instead, taking good care, being cautious around these minds, abandoning any unskillful quality that has arisen and not allowing unarisen, unskillful qualities to arise. As we develop our mindfulness in this way, it becomes a great form of kusala, of skillfulness, this maha-kusala. And then we gain energy from that. Our energy raises up the power of our faith that we have in the Buddha and in this path of practice that uh, gets even more powerful. Initially, we gain a certain faith that comes from thinking, that comes from listening, but this doesn't have wisdom to it. However, it's when we practice and we see the results of the practice that we start gaining this firm faith. And what's that like? Well, usually when we meet with any form of physicality or mentality, we'll get the feeling that this is me or this is mine. But when we practice in the four foundations of mindfulness, mindfulness over the body, over feelings, over the mind, over the Dhamma, and we take one of these up, the body, for example, because it's something that's easy for us to recollect, um, then our mindfulness will gain strength. So whenever we are in any posture, we're walking, standing, sitting, for example, uh, we know what's going on. And we see this body clearly. We have mindfulness over this body. We don't send our mindfulness outside, but rather we get it to know at this spot. And through this, the heart becomes peaceful, and it's possible for clear insight to arise. We see the body for what it is, and the mind becomes still we see that the body and the mind are separate things. Normally, however, when the body moves, when it walks, when it stands, then we see that the body and the mind are the same thing. However, when there's mindfulness present in the body, um, whether we have mindfulness in the internal body, which is our body, or the external body, the bodies of other beings, then the heart becomes still. And we see any movement of bodies as just like robots. And the heart sees this clearly. And here we see the natural state of the Dhamma. And this shows itself, it appears, within our own minds. We see the state, this nature of arising and ceasing. That when all conditioned phenomena arise, at some point they have to cease. Or we may just perceive ceasing deterioration, that nothing stays constant. And when we do this, we're starting to perceive the results of our own practice, the results of this kamatana. So kamatana is the foundation of our work. It's what we establish our minds in. So when we develop this samatha kamatana, which is any method which brings the mind to peace, we can do this through recollecting the body and this is a good initial uh, meditation practice to do so with the samatha kamatana with we're developing mindfulness samadhi giving rise to effort this falls in to the aspect of samadhi uh, right view right intention this falls under wisdom and right speech right action right livelihood this falls under the category of sila, of virtue. And all of these together form this path of sila, samadhi, and panya. In the beginning, however, what we're doing is giving rise to peace, this samata, gamatana. We look at our bodies as they move whatever posture they're in, or we focus on the breath coming in and going out. And this breath can be taken as, as a body in and of itself as well. You see the body is a collection of elements and see it as something that isn't beautiful. Or when we contemplate death, but all of this is concerned with the body. This is all samata, kamatana. And we try to recollect these objects uh, from right from when we wake up to when we go to sleep. And it's not enough for us to just do this while we're at the monastery and then abandon our efforts when we go home Uh, because we'll really be uh, losing our momentum in that way. But rather, we should also practice when we go home to care for our hearts while we're at home, not allow them to go into liking or disliking, to sit in meditation each day and bring the mind to peace and develop it, raise it up in this way. As we do so, then the body and the mind grow buoyant. And when the body and the mind are in this state of buoyancy. It's a very suitable state for the arising of vipassana, of insight. In some places, they teach that developing mindfulness is insight. In other places, they teach that this development of mindfulness is samatha, is calming meditation. But we must understand that developing this calm becomes the cause and condition uh, which fruit in vipassana, in this insight. Because if our minds are lacking peace, if they haven't developed the samatha gamatana, if they aren't, um, stilled, or if the defilements within the mind aren't stilled, then there's no way that we'll be able to see into the Four Noble Truths. We won't be able to perceive anicca, dukkha anatta, this inconstancy, stress, and not self. So therefore, in the beginning, we try to develop some degree of right view and right intention. And then when vipassana arises, we'll see the results of this clearly within our own hearts. Our minds become clean through that. They initially are in a state of delusion, with this ignorance, craving and clinging, covering over them, making them dark, and then they turn bright. And it's not like this darkness has been destroyed, uh, but it's more that light has arisen. Where does the darkness go? Where does our delusion go? It isn't destroyed, uh, but knowledge has arisen. So if you're going to speak about it one way, we can say that we don't destroy the chileses, but rather our minds gain knowledge. They gain brightness. And then we'll see clearly, perceiving that the body is just a body. There's no being, no self, no me, no other to it. And when we see things like this, will all of the greed, hatred, and delusion be extracted from our hearts? Well, they will to one degree um, through this clear insight. And we'll be able to change the views that we have about ourselves Because if we always see things in terms of self, if the self that we have, the the ego that we have, just increases and increases, um, then things become very difficult for us. And it becomes very dangerous when we just take everything in terms of me and mine. And if our mindfulness isn't up to speed, then we won't be able to stay within the bounds of the precepts because our ego is so enormous. And when we do anything, it's all done for the sake of me, of I. So there's this self there constantly. And when we don't have sila, we don't have virtue, then the mind falls. It degenerates from the state of a human to that of an animal. We see that a human is a being that stands up straight, but animals are lying down, their minds are lower. They they can't develop samadhi or vipassana. They're not able to do these things because their minds aren't well established. They're not firm enough. They can't contemplate and see clearly into the dharma that the Buddha taught. So the Buddha encouraged us to abandon wrong view. And if we have any sense of me or mine, we try to give that up and try to gain knowledge in our minds. So we can look at these bodies and they're a useful meditation object for us to focus on. And then when we've gained a certain level of knowledge, a certain level of peace, um, then we'll be more able to abandon the unskillful states that arise in our minds and give rise to skillful states. As we carry on doing this, then our mindfulness gains more energy The strength of our faith becomes even more powerful. And then our effort uh, gets stronger as well. What's that like? Well, things just happen by themselves at that point. We won't have to force ourselves. In the beginning, however, we have a certain level of faith, but we also have to push ourselves to sit, to walk, to do skillful things, to keep up. With the precepts, to abandon any unskillful things and develop skillfulness. We have to control ourselves to do this. Uh, But when our mindfulness, our samadhi, and our wisdom has more developed, then we'll see the benefit of a mind that is peaceful and the danger of a heart that is chaotic. And when we perceive things in this way, we see the truth of these things, then the mind will separate out from the body. See, the body is one thing and the mind is something else. And all of the emotions that stir up our minds, that make them shaky, that make them suffer, um, when we have gained a degree of energy to our mindfulness, these things won't be able to harm our minds. Uh, But the mind does need the samatha gamatana uh, as its basis. So when the mind is in the state of samadhi, then greed, hatred, and delusion won't be able to harm the mind. An effort will just come up all by itself. The mind will tell itself to go sit in walking medita- in meditation, that now is the time to walk in meditation. It will see for itself the dangers in attaching to things. And wisdom will be operating by itself, um, solving our problems uh, automatically. So when our faith is, well, secured, when it's firm, we see the benefits in this practice and the effort that we have uh, raises up all by itself. We don't have to force ourselves and the practice becomes something quite easy. At times, our samadhi becomes constant that's maintained in our hearts and um, we'll get the feeling that we can just see the Dhamma and our minds will leave this world. But they still come back again. And that's because either we're just still in the stage of samatha gamatana, or the vipassana, the clear insight, that the insight that has arisen isn't clear enough. So the mind has to come back again, and then it starts attaching again. And here we we must forbear must maintain our efforts in the practice until the samadhi that we once had comes back again, until the wisdom which had degenerated uh, comes back. It starts becoming clearer uh, than it was before. And then we can make our minds peaceful. And we do this through the recollection of the body, of feelings, of the mind, of the Dhamma. We constantly keep this mindfulness there because we have to see that um, usually what our minds attach to in this world is all to do with form. If we hear a sound that comes from form, smells, um, tactile sensations, these all come from form. So we need to have our mindfulness here in form, contemplating these bodies, seeing them as being the four elements. Seeing this being something that needs to degenerate. When we see this clearly, then that shows the wisdom has already arisen. This vipassana, this insight has come up. That our minds have gained knowledge. Seeing the body is just a body. The mind is just a mind. These two things separate out. Peacefulness arises in the mind. And, uh, we develop steadily in the practice. So when we do this practice constantly, um, initially, it's just like separate drops, just like the comparison that Lumpur Cha gave, uh, that initially our mindfulness is just like one drop, and then another drop, another drop. But as we practice more and more frequently, then this turns into a steady stream of water, that our wisdom becomes a steady stream in our minds. So the samādhi that arises um, comes from the cause Of Sila. And then the Samadhi in turn becomes the cause for wisdom to arise. And through this, uh, the mind becomes bright. Both the body and the mind are in a buoyant state. So we learn to control or keep our anger within boundaries through our practice of Sila. We learn to control our greed through. Practice of generosity, and then we go to uh, develop this samadhi, uh, but it has to be sama samadhi. So, collectedness of mind, this firm establishment of mind, for the sake of freedom, for the sake of purity, and this comes from a foundation of sila. When the mind is in a peaceful state, when it's not agitated. And it becomes more and more bright. And wisdom um, arises, we're able to free ourselves from the defilements, able to abandon self-view. We need to engage in this practice all the time, because the defilements are at work all the time as well. So we keep at it, maintaining our mindfulness constantly, until it becomes a continuous stream. Until we, when we get to the where we rest, um, then we have our mindfulness there. Our practice is able to keep us right to the point that we fall asleep, and then when we wake up again, the mindfulness is right there. And the shows, or when we do this, then when we rest, it's a very deep, um, rejuvenating sleep that we have. Perhaps we will dream about themes of Dhamma, we may see images while we're sleeping. And these may may be able to answer questions we have to do with the Dhamma. So for us, as we carry on practicing, then our minds gain energy. We get the energy of wisdom, the energy of samadhi. And uh, this gives us the motivation to practice more and more. So we practice this path, this Noble Eightfold Path or we could also refer to it as the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. And these are what help to give rise to the Dhamma. Our minds develop, they turn into the state of a deva, of an angel, because they have these qualities of a wholesome, a skillful, a shame of wrongdoing and a fear of wrongdoing. So the mind becomes noble through or uh, exalted uh, through these qualities. And we practice to develop our minds in this way. We do a lot of chanting, then the mind does raise up. And where is a deva? Well, the deva comes up in our minds. Nibbāna manifests within our own hearts. And this is the place also where we abandon the defilements here in the heart. And then we see the Dhamma. By seeing the Dhamma, we see the Buddha. When we see the Buddha, then our heart turns into the Sangha. So we practice without stopping. And if we do so, then we will see and understand into these teachings of the Buddha. So for us, we've been born as a human. We've met with this Buddha's dispensation. So we use this opportunity to build up goodness, to become bright people. And through this, the amount of lifetimes that we have left and the cycle of sangsara becomes less and less. So we can see, or observe, these lifetimes within our own minds, and see how a deva arises within our own hearts, that if the heart has this quality of hiri and also otapa, then the mind is in the state of a deva. Uh, But if we don't care for our minds well, if we're not cautious around them, uh, then these ramanas will be able to gain entry into the mind. And uh, then they'll go and attach. So we need to use our mindfulness and wisdom to reduce that attachment. And when they attach, then the mind falls down to the state of the human. Uh, but uh, we try to be a human who has energy, who has effort, and then bring the mind back up to this divine state. And it cycles back and forth uh, between these two states, between a human and a deva. It carries on like this until we see clearly are the dangers of the cycle of saṃsāra. And so our minds become firm in samādhi and the lives that we have remain become less and less. to so reach the state of a sotapanna, who at most has eight, seven lives. There's no eighth life. And so we see the dangers in this cycle. And so the heart becomes a deva through that, and just like an underpintaka or Lady Visaka. They were able to become noble beings that their hearts had ordained already. They saw clearly into the four noble truths. So for us, we need to put our efforts into this practice uh, to develop goodness and to care for our minds until we do see the Dhamma.